Welcome to the 47th episode of the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Gaddio Cartagena, speaking with co-host Tyler Yarnell. Today we recap week four and check the panic meter on a running back who's about to be labeled the biggest bust in 2020. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the First Take Fantasy Football Podcast. Week four has completed. And interesting week, uh, I have to say. This one was weird. Uh, You had a game where Calvin Ridley did not catch a pass, did not score a point. Um, Packers won. I mean, that wasn't really weird. The Chiefs' offense was just non-existent for the entire first half. And some other pretty weird things that happened on uh, Sunday as well, such as Odell Beckham going for probably like 20, 20 of his fantasy points came on trick plays this week. And then the other 16 was Odell being Odell. Um, pretty, pretty fun week. Um, Tyler, we'll start things off as we always do for the Tuesday episode. We'll do takeaways and then we'll do like quick waivers. I don't think there's anyone really to die for on waivers this week. So we'll talk about that for like 10 minutes at the end, but I just want to talk takeaways from this entire week. We're now a quarter way through the entire NFL football season. So four games, um, one coronavirus scare, or maybe two, if you want to consider Cam Newton, but, uh, I think they did a good job of handling that the Patriots chiefs game still went on as played. Um, what's, what would be one of your biggest takeaways from this week? I think the biggest takeaway when we're talking about macro, as far as like, uh, uh, NFL teams is that the Browns coaching is like actually good this year. Like with Kevin Stefanski coming in, it's not just like, uh, just forcing his scheme down the throats of the players. Like he is adjusting to what he has in his players. One of the things that I wanted to note is that like Baker Mayfield has shown that he's a pretty good player when he's uh, outside of the pocket. Like he, he, uh, excel, he doesn't excel, but he is better when he's rolling and he's moving um, and makes plays outside of the pocket. And that was one of the adjustments that I saw from Kevin Stefanski in week four. And I think that we're going to continue to see these adjustments from the Browns uh, on a week-to-week basis. And overall, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help the Browns because they obviously have a lot of talent on the offensive end. Elite skill players in Chubb, uh, Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham, uh, Jarvis Landry, if you want to talk about Austin Hooper. And, um, you know, Baker Mayfield, say what you want about him. He still has a lot of potential because we've seen what he can do at the college level. Even in his rookie year, he – yeah, he broke the rookie record for uh, touchdowns in what ten games was it? Yeah, something like that. It was he had a really good rookie year. Yeah, so we've seen the potential that he has. He's been dealing with pretty bad coaching through his first two seasons of his career with Hugh Jackson and Freddie Kitchens. So having Kevin Stefanski has definitely helped him and this team overall. And moving forward, like with Nick Chubb out. Um, this allows Kareem Hunt to be an RB1. Like, he's locked in as an RB1 because of the run scheme that they run and the, the, the elite talent that Kareem Hunt is. And, like, this this Browns offense looks a lot better than we all expected. So, um, yeah, pretty high pretty high expectations for the Browns moving forward. Um, To your point with Kareem Hunt, because I do agree that he's in the golden situation right now. Let's say uh, Chubb is expected to miss, uh, what was it, six, four to six to anywhere to four from eight to weeks, pretty much. So it's about, I I saw four to six weeks. Yeah, four to six. Let's say he misses six. Um, Let's say he misses, hypothetically, if if Chubb was like to go on IR for the rest of the season, he doesn't come back. How many running backs are you taking over Kareem Hunt? I want to get your answer before I give mine. Over Kareem Hunt? Yeah. 
like for the rest of the season, if Chubb is guaranteed to not play fantasy wise, which running backs are you taking over Kareem Hunt? I'm going to be honest with you. I think that he's like a top five running back, right? Like right in the cream of the crop, like Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. I think that he's right there five. Maybe. I would arguably take him over every running back not named CMC and Kamara. Hmm. Over Zeke because that offensive line is not getting better. Um, Dalvin Cook, he's had great touchdown luck so far. He has six touchdowns through four games, which could stay could stay that way, but I'm not banking on him scoring 24 touchdowns this year. Um, so I think Dalvin Cook maybe takes a step back. They're going to try to make uh, – or teams are going to try to make Kirk throw the ball, which Justin Jefferson uh, emerging is going to help that a lot. But, yeah, Kareem Hunt, I'm – He's so good. He's so good in this Browns offense. Um, I texted you as soon as we saw that Chubb news, and I think we're going to see Kareem Hunt kind of take over. And I, I being completely honest, um, I don't think dynasty-wise, I don't think the Browns are going to extend Nick Chubb. You have Kareem Hunt on one of the best running back deals in the league. His talent fits your offense perfectly. Um, you can fill out talent on the defensive side of the ball with some of the money that would go to Chubb. You can build around Miles Garrett, and you already have all the offensive pieces in place. It's just a matter of getting that continuity over a few years. Um, I have to say, the Browns Jam is doing one hell of a job. He's they they are doing things the right way. They built the offensive line. Um, they're putting their quarterback in a position to succeed now. Um, it's on him to do it. Like he doesn't have any excuses at this point. You have an elite running game. You have elite receiving options. You have a good offensive line. Um, you have the best pass rusher in the NFL right now on the other side of the ball. Just uh, build around him, help him out. Uh, it's, I like what the Browns are doing. I do. I really do. It's that Ivy League dynamic duo between Andrew Barry and uh, Kevin Stefanski, UPenn yeah. alum and uh, Harvard alum. So, um, yeah, I think they're just, they're just ahead of the pack right now, just uh, blocking up those Ivy League guys. Ahead of the pack. Okay, so you said ahead of the pack. I want to talk about the one team that I actually think is ahead of the pack. Can we guess who that is? After four weeks, who do you think who do you who in your opinion is a Super Bowl favorite through four weeks? Well, I know your answer. Um I think that your answer is up there. I'm gonna not mention them so that you can say that. I think that I think the cream of the crop, it's the Chiefs, it's the Bucks. Bills are getting there. I think that we need to see Josh Allen go against a very proven defense, but the, the bills are, are on the outside looking in, but they're, they're up there. I think the Seahawks are up there as well. Just that their defense is kind of uh, weak at the moment, but Russ, Russ cooking right now has put them at another, another level. And I think that's it. I think it's just those teams, but, um, and the team that, that you're going to mention, but yeah, that's it. Head of the pack is the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, I hated the Jordan Love pick. I hated the A.J. Dillon. I hated everything they did in, they did in their draft. Um, but the Jordan Love pick worked in a sense because Aaron Rodgers is playing MVP caliber football again. He looks like the most talented quarterback we've seen. Um, obviously, Mahomes is now squarely in that conversation, if not ahead, because of things Mahomes can do with the ball in his hands. 
Uh, Mahomes is still insane. And don't get me wrong, this isn't a knock on the Kansas City Chiefs, but they have had two games where they've looked completely human. They looked unbeatable against the Ravens. I will give them that. They played one fantastic game against the Ravens. They looked really good against the Texans. Um, but against the Chargers and the Patriots, against two good, well-coached defenses, um, teams that looked prepared going into that matchup and had a focus on sticking with the ground game, which is what both teams did. They played the time of possession game. Um, Mahomes was struggling. Mahomes struggled big time against both of those teams. And it's not to say that either of those teams are the best team in the NFL. Uh, the, the blueprint is out. If you can rush four and make Mahomes dink and dunk his way down the field, um, odds are he's going to give you some turnover-worthy plays. Obviously, it's not going to be easy, but there is a way in which the Chiefs are more than beatable. Um, I don't think this team is invincible. They're really good, and they are right there in the Super Bowl favorite conversation. But for right now, the way I'm seeing the Green Bay Packers play on offense um, – with a superior running game. They've been doing it without one of the best receivers in the NFL. And you just have guys stepping up left and right. Aaron Rodgers is doing what we used to see Tom Brady do, in which he would take no-name guys and elevate them on a weekly basis and turn them into household names. And that is what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now through four weeks. I mean, Robert Tanyan is the number one tight end in fantasy football. Um, I, I know I mentioned him last week on the start sit and you were kind of looking at me like I was crazy. Um, I actually ended up not starting Tanyan. I started Kelsey over him and that ended up costing me my week, which obviously in hindsight, I made the right decision. I'm not benching Travis Kelsey for any tight end, but Robert Tanyan with a 30 bomb last night and it, they, he's just good. Like there he's, he elevated his game and he works with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers obviously likes targeting him. Uh, that's another weapon in the arsenal for Aaron Rodgers right now. So you have players stepping up. I'm, I'm really, really buying this Green Bay team. Um, I feel like I've been getting like too many like actual football takeaways, some fantasy football takeaways from this week. Uh, one that I want to get into, place where I was completely wrong. I said Daryl Henderson was a must start. And Sean McVay took that and stabbed me in the heart with it because I lost my week due to Daryl Henderson getting like nine touches on 31% of the snaps. Just a disgusting game all around for the Rams. And honestly, I don't want to overreact to one game, but they struggled heavily to move the ball up and down the field on the New York Giants, who have been Swiss cheese on defense thus far. Um, you cannot feel good about this game if you're a Rams fan. And if you own Cam Akers, I guess there's a positive here because the Rams are not committed to getting Daryl Henderson the football, despite him looking like the best running back on the roster. Um, Sean McVay's explanation was really stupid. He said they were getting the ground or the zone run scheme uh, stuffed in the first quarter. So they decided to go to Malcolm Brown so he could grind out yards between the tackles, which I don't know what the logic was behind that move. Um, <laughs> if, if your ground game doesn't work, you don't just panic after the first quarter and just go away from the exact game plan and try to pivot and just leave Jared Goff out in the mud like it was just it was a bad game all around for Sean McVay we've seen these panic games before where they just happened for him uh had one a few years ago against the Bears had one in the Super Bowl against the Patriots but against the lowly New York Giants um if it wasn't for a 50-yard Cooper Cup touchdown this this game could have been won by the Rams uh, not by the Rams by the Giants um very 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 disappointing game for all around uh Los Angeles Rams yeah I'm this backfield scares me a lot. 
And the fact that they're not throwing as much as I expected, I think limits the ceiling of both Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Tyler Higby. Uh, th- this Rams offense really took a step back this week. I'm not extremely worried about Woods and Cup, but everybody else, I think the worry on the like the panic meter would be like at a five or higher, depending on the position you're looking at. Yeah, and I can't say that we weren't warned about this because Sean McVay did come out and say that um, he's he's having headaches over the uh, had a game plan over this Giants defense. And I think that we really misinterpreted that. We all saw that as like just like you know just trying to show respect to the Giants who were zero and three or. Yeah, 0-3 at the time, but no, but he was actually legit. I guess he was legitimately having headaches over this Giants defense, which is hard to believe. But um, I think the the takeaway that I got from this is that McVay is going to take an approach that um, someone that he worked with takes in Kyle Shanahan is just like riding the hot hand in the backfield. Like he has three running backs in Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson and K makers who all bring a different thing to the table, different kind of uh, talent to the table. And I think that he's going to utilize each running back in different times in the season because they can, um, depending on the matchup, he can, um, he can put out someone that can, exploit the matchups that they're they're playing against so i think that what i said at the beginning before the season was that this is going to be just a mess of a backfield it is it's going to be a mess it's going to be a mess of the backfield and um we weren't very optimistic about k makers in the beginning of the season we're not very optimistic about him now but like he could be factored into this offense because like it's going to be it's just going to be a mess here yeah. And like Daryl Henderson, man, like that, that was definitely a letdown for me. I was just hopping on the train and just let me down. So Sean McVay, that, that's tough, man. Like just wanted to be on that Daryl Henderson train. I just wanted someone, a running back to believe in, in this offense, because if there's a running back that emerges from this offense, like, they could be very fancy relevant, but I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I feel like it's going to be a new guy every three weeks. So, um, yeah, if you're able to sell uh, Daryl Henderson for as an RB2, you should probably do that. But Yeah, after last that, week, I feel like it's not even worth selling him because I do think he is the best, backfield, the best running back in this backfield. But obviously, uh, Sean McVay didn't think it was worth giving him the work against the New York Giants. So whatever, um, the Rams backfield shaping up to be a mess. We'll have to see what happens this week. Um, Some other players I want to talk about, uh, this player in specific, a lot of people drafted him in the second round. Um, Some people maybe even in the first if they were really high on him. I know we were both really high on him going into the season. Um, Mm -hmm. Kenyon Drake, a matchup against the Carolina Panthers, and I'm not sure exactly what his yardage yardage total was, but it was not pretty. And Kenyon Drake's performance thus far through the season has not been pretty uh he's been pretty much matched in fantasy production by his backfield mate chase Edmonds. so on a scale from one to ten after seeing Kenyon drake completely flop in the what should be the easiest matchup for running backs um what's the panic meter one to ten on Kenyon drake if you own him what's the plan i think the panic panic meter is all the way up to like eight and you should go pick up Chase Edmonds to hedge your bet right now. If you hadn't already, I think that if you were a Ken and Drake owner, I think that Chase Edmonds was a guy that you should have been looking at in the first place. But 
he just hasn't looked as talented as he has in previous seasons. And I think that that's definitely just, it's not good. It does not look good for Kenny and Drake right now. He's not getting a lot of receiving volume right now. And Chase Edmonds is doing more with the touches that he's getting. Like, I don't think that, I don't know how many touchdowns Kenny Drake has scored. I think it's zero. I think it's zero also. Yeah. Edmonds has scored two touchdowns. He's, he's gone receiving touchdowns in week one and week four. So he, as a backup running back, he's just getting more receiving volume in the red zone. So it's definitely worrisome. We, we heard Cliff Kingsbury call Chase Edmonds a starting running back in the league before the season. And I think that shows his confidence in Edmonds should anything happen to Kenyon Drake, whether it be injury or just not playing well. So, yeah, if you have Kenyon Drake, I think that your first waiver priority should be Edmonds because, yeah, you can go pick up uh, – a Justin Jackson or whatever, who will have a solidified role in their offense for a few weeks. But if you already have a piece of the, the Cardinals running game and Kenny and Drake, like you should, you should definitely hedge your bet before you go out and get an injury replacement in another guy. Yeah. Uh, with Chase Edmonds, he could end up being, I'm not saying it will happen obviously because Kenyon Drake is still an obstacle to overcome. Um, it looks like that ankle sprain that he had early in the year is not going away. It looks like he's not healthy. Uh, he just doesn't look the same. I mean, 2.7 yards of carry against the Carolina Panthers. Like you, Come you've got to be kidding me. Like that's, on, that's Kalen Balazs stuff right there. That's not, it's not what Kenyon Drake should be doing. Um, but with that said, uh, yeah, Chase Edmonds could end up being, this year's Kenyon Drake. Um, he could end up being a guy that gets a role mid-season, uh, kind of a no-name dude. They're not really like touted as an every-week fantasy option throughout his career, and then he comes in, gets the workload, and he balls out. And we've seen flashes of it before from Chase Edmonds. I mean, he's a good player. He's a smart player. Um, reminds me of – he's like a north-south version of uh, Devin Singletary. Um, just a, he's, he's fun to watch. I like watching him play, and he fits this offense well. Um, I think one of the biggest things that's hurting Kenyon Drake also is that Ken, Kyler Murray is the best rusher in this offense. Um, he's just electric in the open field. He gets his big plays. Uh, he gets the chunk plays on the ground. And maybe teams are selling out to stop Drake. I'm not really sure. I haven't watched too many Cardinals games, but all I see is Kyler Murray running over the field left and right, just running all over the place. He's on pace for 16 rush touchdowns, I believe. Um, He's just good, and he's better. He's better than Kenyon Drake. So if they're not scoring rushing touchdowns, and they're throwing the ball in the end zone, then that's that's obviously going to be a big problem. Um, outside of that, uh, you did mention. I want to mention the two injuries you mentioned: uh, Austin Eckler being hurt. So Austin Eckler is out with a serious hamstring strain. Um, it's supposed to be six to eight weeks, but something tells me that it, he shouldn't be someone that you try to buy low on right now. Um, if you have Austin Eckler, just trade him. Uh, try to trade him to somebody who thinks they can kind of stash him on their bench. Could he end up being fantasy relevant six to eight weeks from now? Yes. But the word serious hamstring strain tells me there's a lot of work to do in order to come back and be a hundred percent. And I don't know, uh, the chargers already one in three, maybe they give Eckler the rest of the year off. I'm always scared with injury, like uh, running back coming back from injury on bad teams. Uh, they're always going to be extremely cautious with those players. So if six to eight weeks from now, the Chargers are really out of contention, then you could be looking at a team that is just giving Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly extended run uh, before they get their franchise running back back on the field too early. So uh, that's one player that I'd be looking to sell. Nick Chubb also is hurt. 
uh, four to six weeks, like we said. Um, with Nick Chubb, I'm not really sure if I would sell him. I think he's someone that I would hold just because of how valuable and how much they're going to need to use him. Uh, Kareem Hunt's a great, but Nick Chubb also just adds another element of toughness and grit to this offense. So he's someone, if you have him, you're just holding him on your bench and you got to just waver your way through the next few weeks and try to see who you can spot start in order to stay alive. Um, Tyler, with these two injuries, uh, do you have any specific takeaways or if not related to the injuries, just give me, give me another takeaway from this week. I think regarding the takeaways, we talked about Kareem Hunt a bit, RB1 moving forward. Um, with Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly, they're going to have a tough matchup this week. But beyond that, I'm, they have a pretty light schedule moving forward. I'm going to check on it right now. But uh, I'm pretty sure it's pretty light. So Joshua uh, Kelly or Justin Jackson, um, who would you prefer between the two for the rest of the six weeks? I think uh, in non-PPR, definitely Josh Kelly. Beyond that, I think PPR, definitely Justin Jackson. Yeah, I feel like he's uh, – He's he, he's a really good waiver wire pickup. I understand it's just a replacement for six to eight weeks, but we've heard time and time again how much they love Justin Jackson, but it didn't make sense to run Eckler and Jackson together because they're kind of similar type of players. Um, they're explosive change of pace backs. They're not like between the tackles grinders, but if you want to talk about potential role, I think Justin Jackson's role still might be more valuable than Joshua Kelly's over the next few weeks because of the the receiving role and whatnot. Um, Kelly's good, but this offensive line isn't great. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be tough for him to create so many yards for himself, as opposed to Justin Jackson, who more often than not, I think is going to be schemed into the like open field. I agree with that. And um, beyond this week, after they play new Orleans, who I don't think either of these players are going to be start week six, New York giants, then at Miami, home against Jacksonville, home against Las Vegas, and then bye, and then uh, at Denver in week 11. So um, schedule definitely lightens up after this week. I hmm, I still think half PPR. I, I think I'd still go Josh Kelly just because we know what Josh Kelly's role has been the past few weeks. And with the absence of Austin Eckler, that role can only elevate. So, yeah, I, I have uh, moderate expectations for for – Josh Kelly, I wouldn't be going all over to get Justin Jackson. I think that um, personally, I'd, I'd rather have Chase Edmonds just because it, there's a, more potential, more upside in Chase Edmonds. But if you're looking for someone to start in these coming weeks, which you may be looking for, like if you're in need of a running back, you, you're very uh, short at running back right now. I think that Justin Justin Jackson could be your guy because he does have uh, some very nice matchups moving forward. Yeah. But yeah, another takeaway, Terry McLaurin, man. Like we mentioned him Let's as a talk sit. About Terry. We mentioned him as a sit and he has just like, just exceeded our expectations beyond like what we thought. And we were, we were two player people that were pretty high on Terry McLaurin. Yep. And even with Dwayne Haskins as his quarterback, who, Honestly, did not play as bad as we assumed he would against a very good Baltimore Ravens team. 300-yard game. I was actually impressed with uh, how he played. Yeah, so I think he had two touchdowns as well. Like, the Redskins overall impressed against the the Baltimore Ravens. I think it was final score 30-14. to 14. Like, it very well could have been worse with uh, 
did I say I've been saying the Redskins? I'm sorry. Washington football team. Uh, it could have definitely been worse for a team that was playing against a borderline Super Bowl contender. Um, but yeah, Terry McLaurin has had some pretty uh, pretty difficult matchups through his first four weeks. I think week one he played against Darius Slay. Week two was Patrick Peterson, who's kind of washed right now, but he he ate against them. Week three, who did he play against? Week three. Week three was Denzel Ward on Cleveland. Yeah, so Denzel Ward. And then week four this past week, he was playing against the likes of Marlon Humphrey, some Marcus Peters, but mostly Marlon Humphrey. So he's definitely impressed through the first four weeks. And I'll let you talk about it a little more, but I'm, I, I love Terry McLaurin moving forward. Yeah, he was my guy before the season, and I just, I expected this to be like a downstretch. Um, he's playing Jalen Ramsey this week. I'm not even scared about it. Uh, he just he's that good. He's so talented. He gets open. I mean, ten catches for 118 yards against Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters in this daunting Baltimore defense. Through four games, he's averaging 6.5 catches and 97 yards from each like every single game. Uh, only one touchdown, but I think those will come as the matchups get a little bit easier. Obviously, they haven't been scoring many touchdowns. So, yeah, Terry McLaurin, he's a set-it-and-forget-it player, um, especially like week six and week seven. Uh, he doesn't have a tough matchup until – he doesn't have a tough matchup for the rest of the season, if I'm being completely honest with you, after week five. Uh, so, is it you're not really buying low, but I think he might be worth sending an offer in your league just to see what his price is right now. Because if you can get a guy who – Literally looking at his matchups, the only time he's not probably going to go over 100 yards is week eight, and that's because he has a bye. Outside of that, he's it's wheels up for Terry McLaurin. This dude is about to take off um, if he hasn't already. Um, he's probably going to finish the season around averaging around 100 yards, which would finish at uh, 1,600. But the way their schedule is shaping up, that's really what it looks like. They're going to have to throw in a lot of these games, and he's getting targeted because he's far and away the best player in this entire franchise, in my opinion. He is so good, and I'm, I'm really, really impressed, especially with this past week. Uh, when a player overcomes this tough of a matchup and does it with flying colors, uh, that's, that's really, really impressive. Yeah, talking about uh, Terry McLaurin um, reminds me of another takeaway that I got from this week. Uh, someone that we ha- kind of differed in opinions uh, last week. We didn't really talk about it on the pod or anything, but DJ Chark. So... Ooh. Yeah, so last week we, we had a discussion privately just saying, like, uh, how do you feel about DJ Chark? You felt that he was not going to get the vo- – or you were scared about the volume that he was going to get moving forward because he had seven targets through two games and then missed that that back in, uh, that last game with a back injury. I felt that uh, DJ Chark would be uh, adjusted and utilized differently moving forward because for the first two weeks we kind of saw him as a deep threat, and he wasn't getting a lot of targets, but they are efficient targets. He was seven for seven on on the targets that he got through those first two weeks. So what we saw week four was bonafide wide receiver one against the Cincinnati Bengals. He got nine targets, seven catches, um, and two touchdowns. And yeah, I I just love the way that he was utilized uh, this week. Yes, it was a a pretty, it was a positive matchup for DJ Chark playing against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I just liked how uh, Jay Gruden adjusted with his, uh, wide receiver one, uh, kind of moved him all around the field, use him in the slot a lot, use him on the outside. And I'm very confident in DJ Chark moving forward. I think that the window for, for buying low on DJ Chark might be closed because 
like he he solidified himself as the best receiver in this offense if Gardner Minshew is throwing the ball 40 times like it's not going to be DJ Chark just getting like three or four targets like he is going to get continue to get targeted because like he, he's just the best receiver in this offense so uh, I'm very confident with DJ Chark moving forward and yeah I, I, I'll let you talk about him but I, I love DJ Chark yeah, this if you own Chark, this is what you wanted to see. I think I had him on like the the first take fantasy like stock watch thing because if he got targets but he didn't get that much production, then you'd be looking at a really good buy opportunity. Um, but the targets were there. Um, he just looked good. I mean, he's he's better than almost. He's gonna win his matchup more often than not. Obviously, this is Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you want to see it against tougher competition, but he's doing good with what's in front of him. Um, just making plays left and right for this team. It's it's good that they got him more involved this week because uh, they looked horrible against the Dolphins and they didn't look particularly great against the Bengals, but definitely better that Chark was involved. So yeah, I really like uh, Chark and the volume he's been getting. That's really cool. Um, or at least the volume he got this week. So yeah, I think you're looking at a guy that's going to be top 15 probably for the rest of the year. Uh, just they need him and he is going to be there to make plays for them. So I really like that. Another play I want to touch about or touch on is uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, same reasons, Terry McLaurin. We also faded Antonio Gibson just because we thought no one was going to eat in this Red skin, or this Washington football team offense. And he came out and he balled out. He had 20 fantasy points, um, four catches for 82 yards and a rushing touchdown as well. The snap share was only at 44%. You want to see that go up, but he's starting to understand things a little bit better. He's making plays on the field and he looks like the explosive player that you wanted the Washington football team to have. So Antonio Gibson, if you bought him low way earlier, then good for you. And if you weren't able to buy him, uh, maybe you're looking at someone that's trying to sell him off a big game. But I think this is a guy more often than not, you can rely on for anywhere from 12 to 15 plus fantasy points a week based on the opportunities he's going to be given is he's being used at the goal line too, which is what you want to see from a guy like Antonio Gibson. So that type definitely takes a step forward and getting into waivers really quick. Um, the only quarterback I want to talk about today is Justin Herbert. Uh, he brought it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, all our defense deep bomb after deep bomb. And this was without Mike Williams. This makes me feel good about owning Mike Williams because he was taking shots. He's not scared. He throws a beautiful deep ball and he makes a lot of these wow throws um, where you're literally just watching the game. He launches at 50 yards down the field and you're like, oh, wow, that was nice. So uh, if he continues to do that, he's going to be very, very fantasy relevant, especially without Austin Eckler. Maybe you see Herbert use his legs a little bit more. Um, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry are all going to be involved in this offense on a week-to-week basis. Uh, I think Jalen Guyton was the one that broke a few big plays uh, this past weekend, but I'm not looking too much at him until we see him play with Mike Williams in this offense. But if you're low on quarterbacks or if you own a guy, like if I own Matt Ryan right now, I would be putting in a waiver claim for Justin Herbert because Matt Ryan, if Julio Jones misses time, that Falcons offense is going to get very anemic very quickly. And Justin Herbert is exciting. He's a fun, it almost looks like he has that it factor, but he doesn't really talk that much. Uh, between him and Joe Burrow, I'm, these are two rookie quarterbacks that are really, really impressing me so far. Yeah, Joe Burrow is another guy that we haven't talked about much, but got his first win this week with Justin Herbert. He, he showed up against a, a very good Tampa Bay Bucks team and made do with what he had. He, I think Mike Williams was out. And, yeah, he just looked good. Like, he, he was throwing dots out there. 
And we thought that this was going to be a grinded out game, very ugly game, but it ended up being a, a pretty high scoring game. So yeah, uh, I was props, surprised at that. Yeah. Props to Justin Herbert. Uh, definitely put him a waiver pickup for him. I think that uh, Terod Taylor is not going to be featured for the rest of the season unless something happens to Herbert. So unless yeah, they try to kill Herbert the way they tried to kill Tyrod. Facts. It's the only way. So, let's just hope that doesn't happen. Maybe uh, medical staff over in Los Angeles learn their lesson. They won't touch the uh, the franchise quarterback. So. <laughs> uh, the real franchise quarterback, not to Rod Taylor. So, yeah, um, yeah, feel you should feel good about uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, as far as their pass catchers, we talked about it before. They're all going to be upgraded. Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, uh, Mike Williams is someone that has kind of disappointed through the first four weeks, but he th- still has a lot of upside because he's shown in the past three seasons, like his ability to catch those 50, 50 balls. And if Justin Herbert's, uh, average depth of uh, pass attempt is like is increasing like he's throwing a lot of deep balls like Mike Williams is going to benefit from that hasn't gotten a lot a lot of targets lately but um sorry the the targets the targets will come uh and with with Mike Williams the complaint that we've had throughout his career by the way if he's on the waiver wire in your league because someone dropped him he was out last week uh go ahead and pick him up uh I think he's probably one of the better wide receiver pickups you can make that can be really really fantasy relevant throughout the year maybe a consistent flex with like two touchdown upside per week. Um, but the thing with Mike Williams, Philip Rivers never really like unlocked his talent because he's such a dominant 50, 50 ball guy. Like when the ball's in the air, it's 75, 25, Mike Williams, like he's just a go up and get it kind of guy. Uh, so good with those jump balls. He might be one of the best jump ball receivers in the NFL. Um, so yeah, I really like picking him up. Uh, we'll talk about other receivers here. Um, pretty much all we're talking about this week is rookie wide receivers. And uh, Justin Jefferson is a guy that jumps off. Obviously, he has Seattle and Atlanta over the next two weeks after going for 100, each of the last two, 100 yards each of the last two weeks. So he has a chance to keep that streak going, especially against Seattle. They're going to have to throw. And he's a playmaker. We've seen him make – he had great contestant catch last week, great run after the catch against the Titans. Um, this dude's making plays left and right for this Vikings team. And he had 23% of the targets last week, not a high volume offense, but uh, it's going to have to be against the Seahawks, I would hope. So that's definitely something that helps a lot for Justin Jefferson. Um, two guys that I just want to mention, uh, Darnell Mooney has actually been the wide receiver two in Chicago the last few weeks, getting deep targets from Nick Foles. If one of those deep targets connects, he's going to be, Everyone's going to be getting him on the waiver wire. I'd rather just stash him a week early before he connects on one of those big plays. But the big plays are coming, and it's opening up this offense. So Darnell Mooney's a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, LaVisca Chenault is the clear number two in Jacksonville right now. Um, he's getting targets. He's making plays. Uh, he's squarely behind superstar DJ Chark. But he is definitely someone worth picking up on waivers because of how much this team is going to need to use him and throw the ball. He opens up another uh, level to this offense. But one player I want to talk about in specific, I think he has the most season-long value out of any of these guys just because of the type of offense that he's in and the way he's been playing. Tyler, I think you agree with me here. T. Higgins right now, if he is still on your waiver wire, is someone that he's so close. Like, he had a two-touchdown game a few weeks ago, um, and he's getting these targets. He's getting high-value targets. I think he has uh, five end zone targets through his first two NFL starts. Uh, didn't connect against uh, Jacksonville want to see touchdowns, but they'll come. And you're looking at a guy, I think 
he's he could be a star uh, rather quickly for the Cincinnati Bengals. He gets open. He's good after the catch. He can contested catch. He's a sideline like savant. Like he knows when to toe tap and stuff like that. Um, T. Higgins right now, if he's on the waiver wire, would you who would you prefer, T. Higgins or Justin Jefferson? I'm taking T. Higgins because, like you said, the the volume that you get in this offense is pretty significant. I think that he, moving forward, he can definitely be the wide receiver too in this offense because. AJ Green has not looked good whatsoever. Like he is mm-hmm. getting the volume that you'd, you'd want from AJ Green, but he just looks washed right now. And that's that's just about all you can say about AJ Green at the moment. But T. Higgins, there's a reason why Chad Ochocinco gave him the blessing to wear the number 85 in Cincinnati. And he he's, as of right now, he's living up to it. Like he's playing well as a rookie wide receiver. He, he's shown his ability to be a complete receiver. Like you said, the, the Tony Totap, uh, uh, catches on the, the outside, the contested catch, the run after catch ability. Like T. Higgins has looked very good. He's looked like the second best receiver in this offense through the first four weeks. So, um, yeah, AJ Green is someone to look out for to be moved in the trade deadline. When that happens, you don't want to be the, the guy that you, you want to be ahead of the pack. So, um, yeah, T. Higgins is someone that you should definitely look out for. Justin Jefferson's also a guy that, um, like you said, has has a lot of upside, especially through these first two weeks. It's just that the volume in this offense is just not significant. Yeah. But the way that this team has been playing, like they're going to have to throw the ball more. And Kirk Cousins has has displayed trust in Jeff- Justin Jefferson. And obviously, Justin Jefferson has a lot of talent. He was a first-round pick out of LSU. And he's, he's demonstrating that right now. He's had back-to-back uh, weeks with uh, over 100 yards and uh, double-digit points. So, yeah, I'd go T. Higgins because of the volume that he can get consistently on a week-to-week basis. Jeff, Justin Jefferson. Thing is, if if the Minnesota Vikings ever find out, like, if their defense gets it together, I don't know when Daniel Hunter is going to be back, but uh, he definitely upgrades the defense a lot and in turn allows the run game to be uh, um, more effective. Yeah. So Justin Jefferson could uh, be eventually kind of phased out, not necessarily phased out, but like he could be a, a low volume efficiency guy that um, we saw last season from Stefan Diggs, except like he's not as good as Stefan Diggs. So we could see like a Stefan Diggs light type of season if, um, if that were to happen, which some people may like that, but T Higgins, I think just has a lot more upside because of the volume that he could get in this offense. Yeah, so both of these guys, what I like the most about them is obviously they're being targeted, but they're both their average depth of target through uh, their first three NFL starts or two NFL starts for T. Higgins have been over 15 yards. So you're getting high volume and you're getting deep targets. So yes, Tyler Boyd's going to out-target T. Higgins. He's going to be the number one option target-wise, but T. Higgins could outscore him more often than not because he's getting these deep targets these valuable downfield chunk play targets that allow him to make really big plays, not just a 10 yard catch, 10 yard catch, 10 yard catch. You're looking at a guy that could go 20 yard catch, 35 yard catch, 15 yard catch. And those add up over the duration of a season. So T Higgins is a guy that the more he plays and the more he continues to develop, he could end up being really, really, really good for this offense. And same for Justin Jefferson. They're both great players. Um, We're kind of running out of time here, but we'll go quick through the running backs not dying to get any of these guys, but I agree with Tyler that I think um, Damian Harris, if he's there, I think you can try to get Damian Harris, but uh, 
Chase Edmonds is a priority pickup this week because of how Kenyon Drake has looked. If he's not himself or he's not really producing in the passing game, Chase Edmonds is a great fit for this offense. Um, kind of like the way I say Jarek McKinnon is a perfect fit for San Francisco. I think Chase Edmonds is a perfect fit for Arizona. So maybe Kenyon Drake is more talented, but the fit with Chase Edmonds, in my opinion, right now looks way better than Kenyon Drake. So Kenyon, or Chase Edmonds is another guy I'd like to pick up. And then there's three other guys that I just want to name. Uh, Justin Jackson, obviously, injury replacement. Go ahead and pick him up. Dearness Johnson stepping in the Nick Chubb role. Uh, go ahead and pick him up. He's going to get 10 to 12 touches a week. And the last guy I want to mention, Duke Johnson. This is just – there's no data to back this up. Just David Johnson has not looked great based on the eye test thus far. And Bill O'Brien, who made the terrible trade to get David Johnson, obviously is going to try to force feed him. So Duke Johnson might actually – uh, work better with this new staff. Maybe they aren't as committed to David Johnson. So Duke Johnson, maybe just pick him up and see what happens because there is still the off chance that he could be the better running back and in turn get more work. But outside of that, that's pretty much uh, all I have with running backs. I think it goes Damien Harris, then Chase Edmonds, then the rest of these guys, if you need like waiver spot starts for the entire week. Yeah, I like Damien Harris. I think that he displayed uh, the ability that he has. Um, my personal opinion with uh, Patriots running backs as a whole like I don't know if there's going to be a guy that takes the full workload uh, through the full season I think that with Damien Harris this past week you know he was he's playing against um, the Chiefs but Cam Newton was out and Sonny Michelle was out as well he's going to be on IR for at least the next three weeks so I think that we just saw Damien Harris is probably one of his top three weeks of the season because like he's going to get volume. He got volume this week that he is not going to replicate on a week to week basis because uh, Cam Newton is going to be factored into the run game. Obviously, um, Sonny Michelle is eventually going to be back. So I think that Damon Harris was just kind of the fresh, uh, the fresh blood. I still think that he's the lead back because he has looked the most talented so far. But overall, I think that if someone's very high on Damien Harris, uh, see someone that sees this back this um, this offensive line and sees a lot of talent and sees Damian Harris uh, do very well in his first week I think that he's someone that you could sell high on but um, overall yeah I think Damian Harris is probably the top priority right now and then you go Chase Edmonds because of the the potential that he has to take over this backfield and <clears throat> you know Kenny Drake hasn't looked great but um the fact that they, they go spread all the time and they see such a, a little amount of loaded boxes, like Chase Edmonds could be very efficient should he get the starting role. And then Justin Jackson, obviously the 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 injury fill-in. And then between Dearness Johnson and Duke Johnson, I'm taking Dearness Johnson just because yep. he has I a agree. solidified role uh, in the offense, even though Cream Hunt is likely going to be the workhorse. This offensive line for the Browns has looked very efficient, very good. And I think that, like I said, ha has a lot to do with the, the coaching that has been brought in uh, in the offseason. Uh, Bill Callahan, their offensive line coach, came over from the Washington Redskins. Say what you want about the Redskins last season, Washington football team. Um, they had a pretty solid offensive line last year. And like he, he's done a very good job with the Cleveland Browns this year. So uh, Dearness Johnson, someone that can get eight to 10 touches uh, and be pretty efficient with them. And then Duke Johnson, it's just about um, upside with him. Like if David Johnson, should anything happen to David Johnson or 
Um, you know, with this, the head coaching change, we just saw Bill O'Brien get fired, which, you know, golf clap. Golf Thank clap for God. The, oh, my goodness. Snaps for the, the Houston Texans because it's about damn time. Yeah, now they're only down a first-round pick, superstar wide receiver talent, a ton of cap space. You know they have the most expensive offense in the NFL this year? I saw that. It's in, they're, they're 0-4 with the most expensive. Uh, they're paying Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb and Kenny Stills, I believe, a combined $30 million this year. Yeah, that sounds about right. But I think that they're just <laughs> the most expensive team overall. I think that they spent the most money this season. But um, Tell you when I think that – I think that whoever steps up as the inter- interim head coach could see the the ability that Duke Johnson has and utilize that. So uh, Duke Johnson's just – I don't think that you should put in a waiver wire pickup for Duke Johnson. I think that yeah. he just – that you pick up uh, post-waiver wire, but he, he has some upside in PPR leagues. So, uh, yeah, let's move on to uh, tight end tight waiver wire pickups. Tight ends. Uh, before anything uh, – Robert Tanyan, once again, 30-point game. Um, he is on bye this week, so it, you're kind of going to be holding a very uncertain tight end, but you'd be holding the number one tight end in fantasy football right now. That is higher than Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, whatever. Uh, George Kittle had a bigger week, but Robert Tanyan obviously was he, – he broke out. This was the breakout game. If he hadn't broken out already, four – no – five touchdowns in the last three games he's number one in the nfl tied with i believe aaron jones in touchdowns wow rece- someone receiving touchdowns someone he's t- he's number five i don't know who he's tied with uh, probably not aaron jones because five receiving touchdowns doesn't sound right for aaron jones so i'm gonna have to correct myself on that i'm not sure who the other person is but probably mike evans. who probably probably mike evans oh yeah mike i think it actually is mike evans you're right uh he does have five so yes he's tied with mike evans uh, Robert Tanyan, the red zone threat. That's what he is. He's a playmaker. Uh, he's exciting to watch. So if you want to hold on to him, there is upside there. Uh, obviously, Devonta Adams coming back, but this offense is still looking for a number two target uh, that isn't named Aaron Jones. Um, Robert Tanyan could end up being that guy. He's a pretty explosive, uh, athletic guy. Uh, they were calling him Baby Kittle last night. Um, he's a big dude. He's six five, I think, like two two sixty. Like uh, he he has all the makings of a really really good tight end. So. I wouldn't be like putting in a waiver claim over him and you probably won't be able to start him for two weeks or one week. So, I mean, if you can stash him on your bench and you have space, that's great. Especially if you need a tight end. Uh, The only other guy that I'd be talking about this week, once again, I'm not putting in a waiver claim for him, but he is getting a ton of volume. Uh, Dalton Schultz. So it looks like he's completely phased Michael Gallup out of the offense Uh, for one reason or another. Michael Gallup is not getting targeted. Maybe it's because Dak doesn't have any time to throw. But Dalton Schultz is essentially playing the big slot role for this team. I understand he's playing tight end, but he's getting pretty much slot targets where you're allowed to create after the catch. And he's making plays. Um, He looked terrible week one, and I was very upset with the way that he played and the way that he pretty much lost the Rams the game with a variation of holding penalties and whatnot. But, um, yeah, he's pretty much taken Michael Gallup out of this offense. So, Michael Gallup, you're not dropping him, but you're – Damn sure hoping that uh, things change for this offense pretty quickly. But Dalton Schultz is another guy that if you need a tight end, go ahead and try to add him. And before we close here, Tyler, I want to just mention one thing. Uh, obviously, Cam Newton wasn't there, had a big impact on it. But no running back this year had gone over 10 carries for the New England Patriots. And last night, Damian Harris had 17 in essentially what was a negative game script. Um, they were committed to using him. 
and they used him significantly more than Burkhead. Uh, Sony Michelle was not able to overpass or overtake Burkhead over the past few weeks. So I think you're looking at in, in Bill Belichick's mind, there's a clear hierarchy to the rushing share. I think it's going to be Damian Harris one, Rex Burkhead two, Sony Michelle three, when all of them are healthy. And then James White, obviously, he, he's one of the best third down backs in the NFL. So he's going to stick to that third down role. But um, I'm not loving the idea of like holding on to Damian Harris. I agree with selling him. But there still is upside to be had because the Patriots have one of the most dominant rushing attacks in the NFL right now. And that offensive line, they move people. Uh, that offensive line is really, really good. They were missing three starters on the offensive line yesterday, and they were still able to run up and down the field on the Chiefs. Just Brian Hoyer is actual garbage. But we can talk about Brian Hoyer at a later date if he ends or ever ends up playing for the Patriots again. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. Not dying to claim any of these guys on waivers. We'll be talking buy, sell. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting episode, especially after some of the performances we saw this week. But, yeah, that's that pretty much it. Uh, go Heat. That wraps up our week five waiver pod. If you want us to answer your questions, make sure to ask us on social media. Our social media accounts are linked in the description of this pod. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button.